show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status. No. Yeah, this is the healthcare rep. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson from Shift Forward Health, and here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about the collective power of revolutions. How will the movements that are happening in retail, free market medicine, and hospital boardrooms impact the health choices of everyday consumers? And what's your part? I'll talk about that. Then we welcome Blake Madden, founder of Hospitology. There's a good chance that you've read his articles and posts about healthcare M&A, strategy, finance, and markets. Blake shares some of his observations about the impacts of major deals on consumers' health choices and which mergers and acquisitions excite him. Then we wrap up with a rapid fire round where he shares hot takes on some of the big players. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Revolutions aren't for everyone, but there are a lot more happening than most of us realize. And their collective power is what's driving change, not a single player or a single deal. We're spending too much time debating whether Amazon, Walmart, Optum, Kaiser, or fill-in-the-blank is quote-unquote winning. But the collective power of revolutions is what's driving consumers' expectations and lifting their sights above the current state of frustrating, inconvenient, opaque care that was never designed for them in the first place. Revolutions are happening in retail. Ten years ago, who predicted that you'd be seeing accountable care agreements from a drugstore company, the Geek Squad setting up remote monitoring equipment in your home, and access to your primary care provider that integrates with your online shopping. I'm of course referring to CVS, Best Buy, and Amazon One Medical, respectively. Revolutions are happening in free market medicine. Mark Cuban's Cost Plus Drug Company offers transparent drug pricing. Direct primary care clinics provide unlimited free office visits at a low monthly subscription with or without insurance. And thanks to the Free Market Medical Association, buyers and sellers of healthcare are developing employer-based plans that cut out the middlemen and reroute around PPOs, networks, or specialty discount vendors. Revolutions are also hopefully happening in hospital boardrooms. Paul Keckley made it clear what he wants to see. Quote, unquote, strategies predicated on protecting the past are obsolete. Strategies that consider consumers incapable of active participation in the delivery and financing of their care are archaic. Strategies that depend on unbridled consolidation and opaque pricing are naive. And strategies that limit market access for non-traditional players are artifacts of the Gilded Age gone by when each sector protected its own against infidels outside. I love that. So as usual, the question we ask here is what does it mean for everyday people who engage with the healthcare system? Remember the two paths that I frequently talk about, optimizing the existing hospital provider insurance centric model, as well as pursuing entirely new choices that exist partially or fully outside of that model. Revolutions are happening everywhere. When our work becomes about how to help consumers meet their desires to be healthy and well, we have become part of the meaningful work going on in healthcare today. Progress is happening with or without you. It's time for you to acknowledge the revolutions that are happening everywhere and choose whether you'll take part. 
That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. All right, everyone, let's get back into the flow. I'm so excited today. Please give it up for Blake Madden, the founder of Hospitology. Blake, welcome to the Healthcare App. Thank you, Jared. It's good to be on. I'm very humbled to, to be on and glad that you invited me. Remind us where you are based out of. Where do you do a lot of the work that you do? Yeah, so I am based in Dallas, went to the University of Texas at Austin for school, and uh, Workweek Media, which is kind of like the parent company of hospitology, is also based in Austin. So I'm a tech, big Texas guy. You can't, couldn't tell. All right, Blake, uh, what would you like our listeners to know about you personally and professionally? You've had quite an interesting journey here already, and you just recently came up on an anniversary with hospitology. Maybe you can uh, share that with us too. Yeah, Jared, absolutely. It's been a pretty wild ride. So like I mentioned, graduated from the University of Texas down in Austin and then, you know, had a degree in finance and didn't really know kind of what I wanted to do and decided to go into healthcare because that's the industry that my dad has been in for a while and joined a, you know, healthcare consulting firm that specialized in kind of, you know, valuation and advisory and really got to see a lot of you know, healthcare services deals, like kind of behind the scenes and, you know, private, smaller deals, and then kind of see trends emerge before they happened. And really long story short is that kind of drove my intellectual curiosity. And I wanted to kind of learn more about healthcare, which is, you know, it's impossible to know everything. But yeah, so I started a newsletter in 2018. And really, that newsletter just kind of snowballed over the next kind of three years or so, call it, to the point where, Workweek Media, which is where I am now, they reached out to me and said, "Hey, you know, we're you know we're looking for creators to to join our media company, which uh, is kind of focused on newsletters and creators and providing infrastructure for writers." And they so they ended up acquiring my newsletter. So now I'm working full time at Workweek, and we launched Hospitology in late April of 2022. So I'm talking to you just a little over. You know, a few weeks from that first post where I, I wrote a piece on HCA, of course, and it's been fun. So I, I've grown it from, you know, with Workweek's help from 2000 subscribers starting out legacy newsletter to now around 24,000 as of this writing, which is really insane because I really feel like I'm just still learning what the media business is coming from a, you know, professional healthcare firm into like, you know, a media startup where people are wearing t-shirts and, you know, we got all these Gen Zers around and all that kind of stuff. So it's been a fun learning process and I'm, you know, having a blast doing it. That's outstanding. Well, first and foremost, congrats on the success and the, that atmosphere, you know, that, that stratospheric growth. That's sensational. It absolutely is a credit to you and the work you do. I've been a fan and a follower of your pieces here because they are so well thought out and researched. And I find that's something we can use more of, <laughs> to say the least. So yeah, definitely congrats on all that. Yeah, thank, thanks so much. And just to clarify, you know, hospitology, right? I write about kind of what I traded in prior. So kind of, you know, the business of healthcare. So if anybody's interested in kind of, you know, the, the finance and partnerships and innovation and venture capital and everything kind of going on behind the scenes, you know, why would Optum buy this decision practice or why would CVS buy Oak Street? You know, those sorts of things. I, that's my bread and butter. And I love kind of writing and providing, you know, visuals and helping 
operators and marketers and everyone in their day to day job with trying to kind of understand what's going on. Yeah, right. it's a great resource, and it is like like I said, very well researched and documented. So I know topically it fits in with one of the best career pieces of career advice I've ever received, which was follow the money, <laughs> like learn <laughs> learn what's at the base of any business operations and and what's going to make any company successful and find a way to bring more value to that. But maybe that's a good segue here to ask you what's one of those pieces of career advice you've received that along the way you feel has has shaped where you are right now. Yeah, gosh, that's a great question, Jared. I, I like that you asked this question. Honestly, I don't know if I can remember like a like singular kind of piece of career advice. I do have one of my college professors always used to say, in the moment, nothing is as good or as bad as you think it is. So I've kind of always taken that to heart to where it's like if something seemingly really bad happens, that it's not maybe going to be as bad as it seems in the moment, right? And then beyond that, I would say, you know, for me is I try to approach everything with a sense of kind of humility and I want to try to be coachable and, and take you know, constructive criticism in, in everything I do. And so, you know, how that looks for me in my life is I played sports growing up. And so, you know, I had coaches yelling at me and, and telling me to fix my form and, you know, whatever, playing football and soccer. And then, you know, when I was at the consulting firm, I listened to my managing directors and took advice from my, you know, senior analysts on how to format things and lean on people's expertise who, who know more than you. And then I, you know, I try to use that same kind of tactic in writing as well to where I'm able to, you know, I could talk to you about how to start a podcast or I could talk to industry experts about, you know, what they think about certain market segments and just kind of just have an intellectual curiosity and, you know, just learn as much as I can. So that's kind of my view on, on that question, I guess. So is that one of the ways that you decide on topics? Like how do you choose what to write about? That's a good question. How hospitology is set up is a Tuesday send and a Thursday send. And so the Tuesday send is very news driven. Uh, it's news cycle driven. And, and so, you know, if there's a big M&A deal or, you know, big policy or I think the most recent headline was around Kaiser and Geisinger and kind of rise in health, you know, those sorts of things that kind of helps frame my Tuesday send. And then my Thursday send is kind of more open-ended. And I would say that my conversations with folks help guide what I might want to write about. I also try to stay culturally relevant. That's a kind of a big buzzword that Workweek uses is, you know, what, what are folks talking about in social media and what are, what are folks debating about? Whether it's, you know, is value-based care feasible or should physicians own hospitals or, you know, the things like that always can attract eyeballs as well. Those are some tactics I use for that aspect of it. And then ultimately, like my kind of North Star strategy and, and something that we talk about a lot internally is, you know, who is the one person that you're writing for, for your audience, right? So like I write a newsletter and, you know, who is the one person that I'm writing for? So for instance, that could be, you know, uh, the CEO of a health system or that could be, you know, the founder of a certain startup sector or something. And so that with that framing, it kind of helps me guide like, you know, what I want to write about and what perspective I'm going to write about it with and, and those sorts of things, if that makes sense. Well, it does. And what I've noticed in, in your voice, in your writing is that, 
it is from a from a very analytical standpoint. It's not trying to be sensational at all. It's trying to be objective and look at the numbers and put some thought and logic into, like you said, why this might work for a certain merger and acquisition, why this might not, why they might be playing in this space versus another space. And I feel like that's that's one of those things that you've been able to latch on to and I want to give you a lot of credit for that because it's not that common. It's also not that common just in in general to have many younger voices, I feel like, creating content around healthcare. And I think that's something I definitely see as an opportunity to encourage more younger voices to put that voice out there in whatever form it is, at whatever level that is. We have this group, this generation of healthcare leaders and executives who have been in and doing their thing and working along a certain way and learning the way that things are done and the way that businesses are run in this industry. And some of those ways are still going to work, but some of them aren't. And sometimes it takes, in my mind, younger voices out there sharing just different perspectives to help start evolving that conversation. And that eventually works its way up into a new generation of leaders in these organizations who come at things from a different point of view. I mean, you know, we can go generation by generation. We won't, but like we could and say, you know, in general, you know, Gen Xers versus millennials versus those coming up behind them, how they just feel about the world in general and adding more considerations into a conversation and not just saying, hey, let's automatically have our business strategy go the way that it has been for the last 50 years because maybe that's not the right way anymore. To me, that that just points to this opportunity again for more young voices to create content about healthcare. I wonder if you have any advice for a younger professional who has an opinion, but they don't know where to get started about sharing that voice. Yeah, and Jared, I'm gonna I totally agree with you. I think that there's like a ton of opportunity for younger folks and folks just in general to to write content. There's so many people with so much subject matter expertise in healthcare and they're kind of just caught up in the day-to-day. But I would really encourage all those people to dive into content because honestly, you know, I started this newsletter 2018 and did not think it would open any doors. I did it as a side project because it was fun. And now I'm kind of writing about it full time. And I'm I'm not saying you have to be like being like, you know, gung-ho jump into it a hundred percent, but it does help, you know, with networking and with providing value on on what you're seeing to other folks and just kind of putting, like you said, becoming one of those kind of thought leaders for for the next generation. So for me, I would kind of bring up a maybe a few things that would help if you're trying to go into, go down like a content journey. The first of which is being, I would say, like find your niche. So find an interesting topic in healthcare. So you know maybe it's something in the payer space or something within mar- like growth marketing and healthcare or, or whatever it is. And then from there, like I mentioned before, uh, you know who who are you writing for? You know who's that one person that you want to you know frame your audience in your newsletter or your podcast or whatever content you're creating around that one person. Thirdly, and I think this is one of the most important ones as well, is to just just find a, a consistent cadence. If you're posting consistently and providing value in what you're posting, and you are you know, sharing on social media and you kind of are following this playbook, you will find success eventually. And it it will not happen overnight. It did not for me. Like I had probably under 1000 subscribers for the first three and a half years of my newsletter. But those metrics compound over time. And then finally, I would say don't get caught up in imposter syndrome. 
And that's something that I get caught up in all the time. It's like, gosh, if I have an opinion on this, somebody is going to put me on blast on Twitter or I'm going to look like a fool. Nobody knows everything about healthcare. I have barely scratched the surface and I talk to people you know, every other day and they'll have worked in a niche of healthcare I've never heard of for 20 years. And um, for me, it, there's just like joy in, in learning and nobody has it figured out. And no matter how much it seems like that's the case from the outside looking in. So yeah, I would really encourage, again, folks to, to dive into the content game. And you know, writing is an incredible soft skill to develop. And I, I really think it's something worth, worth jumping into if you're interested in doing it. I'm going to double down on that and, and say yes, please. Uh, for those who are listening, find a starting point and just dive in. I mean, we need your voices. We need those perspectives. That's how we're going to grow and evolve as an industry. So thanks for sharing that. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Consumer demands, disruptive technologies, and AI are shaping healthcare for years to come. On the Hello Healthcare podcast, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. These stories will inspire you to create and demand a better future in healthcare. Learn more at hellohealthcare.com. And now back to the show. I'm sure there are, there are topics that are more enjoyable to write about than others, or just like you learn more as you go. But I'm sure some of those topics that you've written about over the last year in particular have been more memorable than others? Are there any that come to mind? Yeah, that's a good question also. I'm enjoying this. I would say whenever I see some big healthcare deal that overlaps kind of like what I write about in like, you know, traditional healthcare services and like, you know, digital health or like payers or things like that, I really enjoy kind of diving into you know, okay, so what, okay, what's the play here? You know, what's the rationale? What's the inside baseball? You know, that's what I want to learn about. So, you know, the, the one that comes to mind recently that did pretty well for me was kind of taking a deep dive into the CVS and Oak Street Health deal. And, you know, from a broader perspective, talking about, okay, so what's going on with the payers? You know, why are they vertically integrating? What does that unlock for them? And why is Medicare Advantage driving these, you know, multiples in senior clinic player like Oak Street Health or, you know, things like that. So I think attacking a merger from different angles is a ton of fun. Secondly, I love, and this is kind of on the more speculative and like innovation side, but I, I love writing about innovation in healthcare as well. I've, I've written about kind of the enablement space before, which is more of like a, a near-term value-based care trends. Uh, but then on the other hand, you know, you're seeing a ton of, and I'm sure everybody in healthcare has been talking about generative AI and, and those sorts of things. So I co-wrote a piece on, on AI in healthcare recently and synthetic data and just kind of, I just love, you know, writing about those kinds of topics. So it's a lot of fun. Well, good thing is uh, there's probably never going to be a shortage of topics in this space. <laughs> so that is very true. <laughs> $4 trillion, no, no issues with topics. Sometimes it's like, analysis paralysis, right? Because there's so many things to write about. It's like, gosh, what should, what's the best thing to write about? Like what's going to get the most attention? And so for me, it's like, because I have full editorial control over what I write about, it's like, gosh, what should I write about? <laughs> so I hope you don't run into that issue, Jared, with your podcast. <laughs> well, you know, like we just do a little monologue, the flavor of the week at the beginning, which is just a, you know, like a two minute summary of a, of a headline and 
And sometimes there are way too many to choose from. And, and thankfully, sometimes it evens out a little bit. And you know, we have a whole month to cover like four things that ha- may have happened in the same week, but we can spread it out a little bit. But yeah, I, I agree. In general, no lack of things to talk about here. So yeah, for sure. So I guess a part of that for me is, is just, uh, we're talking about perspectives, right? So your perspective of what you see as you do all this analysis, as you write about all these things that are happening, lots of big moves and lots of money being put into different sides of healthcare. What are some of your observations in general just about the current state of the healthcare system in our country? Where are some bright spots and where are some things that that in your mind are still very broken? I got to kind of see the full gauntlet of players while I was working at the healthcare consulting firm in my prior life. And I'd like to say like you could really tell when someone was really in it for like solely the money or solely kind of like the cash grab versus when somebody was in, you know, a transaction or or doing something for, you know, to expand access to care or, you know, those sorts of things. So the biggest dichotomy for me probably came in kind of the freestanding ER space and which, you know, was the Wild West with Adeptus for for folks that remember that and surprise billing and out-of-network billing, balance billing. So during that craze, one of my teammates worked on a deal to where these investors were, you know, specifically targeting a freestanding emergency room in like rural Texas. And like they had outrageous margins on this business because they like specifically and purposefully pursued, you know, a surprise billing strategy, which like was very lucrative. But from our perspective, it was like, okay, we know this is unsustainable. So how do you value it? Right. So it was an interesting kind of tough little project because, you know, you know, it's kind of morally wrong and unsustainable and position 1A of bad actors in healthcare. Whereas, you know, on the other hand, you might have a health system that's opening a freestanding emergency room in a rural setting to kind of provide coverage and care in a rural area where there might not have been, you know, coverage. So it's really interesting. I think that that kind of highlights healthcare as a whole to where there are, you know, a lot of good people working to, to make the whole system better but there's still kind of, you know, policies that are broken and, you know, the arbitrage financial game is still easy to exploit. So I'm dismayed about that, but excited about kind of, you know, future care delivery models and emerging population specific care and, you know, areas like kidney care, oncology. And then, you know, I know it sounds pretty buzzy, but also, you know, AI and healthcare, I mean, you know, could, could solve not solve, but really help with, you know, burnout and help with productivity and help physicians, you know, identify polyps more accurately during colonoscopies, you know, those sorts of things are just so I'm just enamored with and excited about. Very nice. Well, yeah, I see that. I see that can be a a big part of just some macro trends here in the industry, especially when we're talking about uh, the, I think it was Clayton Christensen who referred to that. He wrote a book, The Innovator's Prescription, which talked about care moving as far downstream as possible. So moving to ambulatory surgical centers, moving to urgent cares, moving to freestanding clinics, and having that be one of the business trends that made sense to be more sustainable. But it does take a different infrastructure and it does take a different marketing approach too. So yeah, I mean, it's right in line right there. And yeah, who who knows what's going to come next (laughs) there. To that end, I definitely have not been on the right side of most predictions. <laughs> I will put it out there. <laughs> that crystal ball is pretty fuzzy. 
there's still so much activity, especially when we talk about things like like M&A activity, the mergers and acquisitions. You write a lot about that just because there is a lot that's happening. But as you typically do write about, there are implications almost every time with, with a lot of these major deals. Do any of these recent mergers and acquisitions excite you and, and why or why not? Yeah, so uh, funny story on the you know wrong predictions thing. I wrote a newsletter when there was kind of you know CVS and Oak Street rumors, and I basically said, "Gosh, I don't think this deal will ever happen." You know, it's overvalued. I don't, I don't necessarily see this panning out. You know, that sort of thing. And then, of course, like one week later, they decide to buy them. So <laughs> it was, uh, it was funny. It's very you know a lesson in humility, as I as I touched on earlier. So that was fun. Honestly, a lot of the mergers that I'm focused on right now or kind of just acquisitions and strategy, I would say revolve around kind of like that multi-specialty space. I really think kind of the next phase of, of value-based care and you know policy and payers are kind of pushing the charge into value-based care. And that conversation will continue to revolve around multi-specialty care because specialty care is such a large component of healthcare spend. I think that we're going to continue to see and hopefully see that team-based approach to where you know you've got the PCP working in step with you know maybe a nurse practitioner and a dietitian and um, they're working with the nephrologist to help you know chronic kidney disease patients or, or you know whoever with um, kind of managing total cost of care and and so for that reason I think that the the summit health and village MD deal you know with some Walgreens participation, obviously, on the Village MD side. I think that that deal is really interesting because Summit is a huge multi-specialty group, and then you have kind of the Village MD, you know, clinic model as well. So things like that, I think, are really interesting. I always keep an eye out for when um, a bunch of different players come together and partner and, and form kind of like a collaboration, like what you saw with, I think it was Interwell. Can't remember the other folks in, in that deal, but and then you saw kind of Oak Street Health, maybe maybe it was Oak Street and Interwell kind of partner, uh, you know. So you have like the primary care and the specialty care and those sorts of things. I think that that kind of overlap is interesting. And then on the health system side, kind of the more hospital side, I am really interested to see what Kaiser and Geisinger end up doing with Ryzen's. I think Ryzen is how you say it, because it sounds like you know they're really trying to push the needle forward from a population health perspective. And, you know, it sounds like Kaiser is kind of going to sell their expertise and their services into Ryzen and maybe, you know, push their kind of 1KP, you know, national plan to, to these systems. So I think that's something to watch for sure. I got very excited when that one came out and I had some choice capitalized words on Twitter, which was <laughs> probably an overreaction, but, you know, I'm probably the only one overreacting to, to health system M&A. So it's fun. <laughs> hey, well, an informed overreaction. I don't know. I, I think we we got plenty of space there for a <laughs> for for that kind of reaction to things. And it was, it was at the Oak Street and Interwell. It was Oakwell, I think the name of that one was like the providing primary care and dialysis yeah, centers. That's right. Like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, to come bring us to a close here, if we can try kind of a new segment here, which is just like rapid fire, uh, if I can give you a few companies. That have made each of them have made headlines, but there are some of the major players out there. And maybe just give me like a quick opinion or a reaction to the company in general. Just anything that comes to mind. 
and we can just flow okay. through these. <laughs> there are no wrong answers here. This is just kind of like I guess more like word association, but kind of like like what comes to mind with with these guys. <laughs> but um, no, it's exciting. All right, exciting. okay. Do it. Ready? Uh, the first one is Optum. Okay. Yeah. Of course, you start off with this one. Gosh, I my knee jerk reaction is just to say unstoppable. You know, they're they're gobbling up physicians nationwide. They bought you know Kelsey Siebold and Atreus Health and all of these groups, and then they they just bought LHC Group. I think that they spent something like twenty seven billion dollars. Don't quote me on that number on acquisitions this year. You know, like change healthcare. So they're just gobbling up all of these. I mean, we're going to look up and we're all going to be employed by Optum or United Health Group. So that's my take on Optum. <laughs> nice, nice. Next one is Best Buy Health. Oh, that's an interesting one. I think that they're showing a ton of promise just in the home and in home care with uh, kind of enabling and setting up remote patient monitoring and, and hospital at home, especially with kind of, I think, Atrium and Advocate Health, they re- most recently partnered with. I also, think that like they're at least for now their healthcare play is probably primarily like a retail one to where they're they're kind of using healthcare as a way to to push sales to kind of the tech side but you might have some pushback there. No, it's great. <laughs> All right, we'll keep going. Uh, next one is Walmart Health. Ooh, I, I think Walmart Health is really interesting. They kind of went through a lull in the past few years with their strategy. I think they might have lost some some personnel without remembering too many of the details, but now they're making a big push to put a lot of Walmart health clinics in rural areas. So I'm excited to see kind of them provide, you know, a lot of access and and primary care services to, you know, Oklahoma and and Georgia and other rural areas. So I'm excited to see what Walmart health is up to in the future. Very nice. All right. Just a couple more here. CVS health. And we can lump Oak Street in there if you want. We've already talked about them, but just CVS health. Yeah. CVS is really interesting because they're kind of you know, they acquired Aetna and they've got the pharmacy footprints. So they're kind of playing a little bit of catch up to, you know, the Optums and the, and the Humanis and in Medicare Advantage. And so I think that's why you saw them overpay for Oak Street Health, maybe in the short term, maybe in the long term, it'll be a better acquisition. <laughs> but yeah, it looks like they're kind of going to, you know, continue to scale Oak Street. And they've actually had some some recent headwinds in various areas. And I think that their most recent earnings report, they had some interesting topics of conversation around kind of headwinds in the space. But uh, overall, they're going to be fine. I mean, anybody that's a, I like to call them kind of diversified healthcare behemoths, you know, the CVSs, the Humanas, the Uniteds of the world. So I think that they're too diversified and too, in healthcare, they're too big to fail. So they're going to be fine. <laughs> uh, but they're doing some interesting stuff and have, they have some interesting investments in, in names like, you know, Monogram Health and, and other areas through their CVS ventures. So definitely an area to watch there as well as to where they're investing in. Gotcha. All right. Uh, what about Walgreens? So it seems like Walgreens kind of core, you know, retail business is stagnant. So they've kind of been pushing into healthcare a little more. And you saw them buy CareCentrix. And then, you know, obviously they have the huge investment in Village MD, which honestly has probably been like a lifesaver for them. Again, I think that it's exciting to see what Village MD will do with Summit. And then, you know, how Walgreens kind of leverages that in healthcare um, to, you know, deliver in the care in the home or help them on the retail pharmacy side. So I personally view Walgreens as not as big of a kind of healthcare player as someone like CVS yet. But I do think Village MD and Summit has a ton of potential, like we talked about. All right. Last one. We'll save the maybe the biggest for last. I don't know. But Amazon. <laughs> Yeah, gosh, Amazon's been really interesting. So obviously they have like, you know, the cloud services like AWS Health, 
But they seem to really be focused on consumer plays in healthcare. So, you know, you saw them buy One Medical, which their One Medical's original business was around kind of, you know, the employers and concierge care. I'm not sure what Amazon's going to try to do with the Iora piece, which is kind of the senior clinic piece. But, you know, maybe they'll try to roll that into some sort of Medicare Advantage offering or something. And then on the other side, they, they did announce, I think it was Amazon Clinic, and you know Amazon Pharmacy, you know they're offering really, really cool, really low cost generic drugs direct to consumer with their, you know prescription, obviously, and then you know with low acuity telehealth services. So right now, Amazon seems to be kind of skirting around the, the edges of healthcare and focused on kind of like consumer kind of esque platform place. I'll be curious to see you know if they make like a deeper dive into like healthcare, healthcare. If that makes sense. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. We actually talk about them a lot on this show. So believe me, that Oh, I'm that, sure you do. Yeah, we got plenty of context there. It's all good. Well, cool. That was fun. And with that, that's actually really a perfect place for, for us to wrap up. Like, I'll give you a chance here right at the end. If there's a way for people who are interested in, in connecting with you or following you, to want to remind them where the best place is to find hospitality and uh, to connect with you. Yeah, so please, yeah, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm just Blake Madden. Um, I should have like a yellow background <laughs> and or, or Twitter, B underscore Madden four, same thing, yellow black background. And then if you just Google hospitology, which is literally just hospital and then OGY attached to the end, all one word, you can find the newsletter there. And yeah, would would love to connect to folks. I, I read all of the replies to the hospitology newsletter and the welcome email and everything. So please feel free to reach out. And Jared, thanks a ton for having me on. This is a lot of fun. I th- feel like we covered a lot in this conversation. So <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, well, it's truly been a pleasure to speak with you, Blake. And with that, that's a wrap for this episode. I've had the pleasure of speaking with Blake Madden from Hospitology. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again. Thank you.